Welcome to the Small Baller Podcast. My name is Trevor Reddick, and as always, I'm joined by a man who really enjoyed the Olympics, Bren Siegel. How you doing? I'm doing quite well. I mean, who I, I, I could not believe anyone that doesn't enjoy watching the greatest athletes in the world uh, just all compile together in one one country and compete to see who's best. I mean, it's the best. It's just the best, you know. I, I, it's hard for me to believe, and it seems like the U.S., they won the most medals. I'm not saying there necessarily needs to be a winner of the Olympics, but, you know, if you're if it's going to come down to numbers, you know, we, we take the cake there. Um, but, uh, Trevor, we have a, a fun episode planned today. We don't have Ben, but we do have a special guest. Uh, he's a returnee and alumni on this podcast, one of all, I think, both of our personal favorites. Yes, sir. One of my best, best friends, um, Coach Noah Bearson, the assistant coach at Covenant College Prep. Um, Noah, how are you today? I am doing absolutely great. It's great to be back. It's been too long. Never, never keep me off this long again. <laughs> it sounds good. We'll, 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 we can make that deal. We can make that deal for sure. Um, but no, no, we're so happy to uh, to have you on the pod. So we'll just we'll just get started because we, we got a lot to uncover. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do a lot. But we'll start with small talk as we always do. We'll start off with the Olympics, like I said. Uh, the UA, you know, it's ending today as we're recording this. It's August 8th, which I guess this comes out on August 8th, too. Um, but the closing ceremonies, I believe, are today. Um, and we've had a very, very entertaining Olympics. Trevor, I know you might not have caught an enormous amount. Noah, how much of the Olympics have you been able to catch? Because I know you've had a busy last couple In of In all honesty, I watched a little bit of the USA's first game against France. I watched the second half of USA basketball in the semifinal game. And then I watched the gold medal game with basketball. So to answer your question, very little. So so no, this is a perfect segue because we wanted to talk about USA basketball. They did win the gold. They lost a couple games before then. It was definitely a rocky road. Um, what 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 did you think about this team? Because obviously it's just like a ton of stars thrown together, you know. But they got the best coaches in the world. Pop. They got uh, uh Steve Kerr over there. Uh, you know they they got great coaches there. They have they have twelve of you know maybe the best sixty players in the NBA. So what what did you think about so this the, team? The first thing, my first thought is that, you know, just because you have the best players doesn't mean you're going to have the best team. I mean, you look at some of these other teams, the Australias, France, you know, all those European teams, they, those young men grow up playing together. You know, they grow up with each other, playing with each other. The U.S., mm-hmm. you know, while right. AU's becoming bigger and kind of, you know, that club essence, you know, uh, men in the NBA today, they didn't have that, you know, big AU experience. And, you know, just even going back and looking at the stats, Kevin Durant was the key to everything. And I think anybody who watched an, any USA basketball game will realize that that first game in France, he fouled out and they lost. And then in the gold medal game against France, he paced them. I mean, Kevin Durant, this past year and with the Olympics solidified that he is still a top three player in the world. If not the best, oh, if not a hundred percent. Yeah. So, so try That's a perfect segue. Cause Trevor, when you, you talk, you like to talk all the time about the best player in the NBA. We've talked a lot on this podcast. You know, we see Kevin Durant, how he performed in Olympic basketball, which I want to point out is a different type of basketball. It's harder than the it's American harder basketball. Than American basketball. It, it is harder. A hundred percent. They let they don't they don't call any fouls really. They let the guys play. So Trevor, does this cement Kevin Durant as the best player in the NBA currently? Um, 
So to answer that question quickly, I think it was, at least for me, I think it was already cemented. I think Kevin Durant already was the best player in the NBA. That's my personal opinion. I know, obviously, you're still going to have people that'll say LeBron. Brandon, you're one of them. Uh, You're still going to have people that'll say Giannis now, which after this uh, season, there's definitely a really good case for it because Giannis had one of the most amazing finals performances uh, I've seen in recent memory. But for me, Kevin Durant is the best player in the NBA. And also, I think, you know, just looking at the Olympics specifically with how much Kevin Durant has contributed to USA men's basketball um, compared to other greats like MJ, like LeBron, like Kobe, Carmelo has a lot of uh, great Olympic performances. I think Kevin Durant also might have to be the best uh, Olympian as far as men's basketball in the U.S. of all time, just based on his resume, based on how he's performed in the biggest games. I mean, I think I saw that mm-hmm. in the 2012 gold medal game, I think he had 30 points. He had 30 points in the 2016 one. And then he has 29 um, in this one as well on a 9 of 18 uh, performance shooting. Just, uh, you know, and Noah, and Noah kind of laid it out. So I won't, you know, repeat some of the things he said. But Kevin Durant, he was the key to everything uh, the U.S. did without him. Uh, they wouldn't have even been playing in this final. They would have been eliminated um, a few games ago probably. And um, I think, like you said, like Olympic basketball, um, or, or Noah kind of pointed this out, Olympic basketball is very different than, uh, obviously, the NBA. The basketball itself is different. The rules are different. Um, there's not as many replays, which I think that the NBA should really take a hard look at some of these yeah, rules that are implemented. Some of the replays, you know, like in NBA there's so many times where we're just like reviewing a block charge call or reviewing like to see like whose fingertip the basketball was last off of it. And it takes way too long. So I think for some of those things, the NBA hopefully is looking at uh, some of those calls. Um, I know it definitely hurt certain players in on the Olympic team, like Damian Lillard, for example. I think, you know, he's a player who thrives about uh, thrives from getting to the line. It's a big part of his game, uh, drawing fouls. Um, you, you know, you can go to other players, maybe even like a Devin Booker, for example. Um, so I think that hurt as well. And then obviously the chemistry is a big piece of it too, which the U.S. clearly lacked uh, compared to other teams like France, Australia, uh, even Slovenia. But they do get the win. Um, ultimately, that's what matters most. They get the win. And, you know, the U.S. women's team, they also get the win. I believe they beat uh, Tokyo. or uh, to- Tokyo. Uh, they're in Tokyo. They beat Japan uh, yesterday to win their gold medal, which for them, I think it's now seven in a row for them. So seven just a uh, great week. Yeah, so great week all around for uh, USA basketball. So we'll kind of just keep it moving because we got plenty of basketball to talk about. We'll get to a couple of our, really this is our only non-basketball topic today. Lionel Messi is leaving FC Barcelona and he's going to PSG, my personal favorite team. They've had an awesome offseason. I know we'll have to hear Josh's thoughts about this, whether it's on his podcast or on here eventually. Um, but now, and I understand both you guys are not enormous, enormous soccer guys. But I mean, Noah, you saw, you saw this the other day, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it was big mm-hmm. in the news. I mean, any time a player... Um, yeah. And... No, 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 go yeah, ahead. Any time a player of Messi's caliber and just, you know, just his brand is leaving a team, you know, it's going to catch the eyes of not just, you know, it's, it's going to catch the eyes of everybody. And and now we got PSG, they got Mbappe, they got Neymar, and they have Messi. So Neymar, Messi, you know, re- reuniting from the old Barcelona days. Trevor, quick thoughts on this. I mean, what, what, do we got a Champions League title in the, in the picture here? Yeah, I mean, it, it's tough for me to say. It's something I definitely would want to defer to Josh on. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious to kind of get his thoughts. Maybe we'll get him on a pod here soon. 
But I mean, certainly with all that talent, I think they got to be in contention, right? You have Messi, Messi, Mbappe. You got Neymar. Um, they've got a couple players in their defense now that they've added. Um, so yeah, I mean, it seems like a lot of these top players, and some of them are getting a little older. Messi's now 34, but he's still, you know, one of the top players, obviously. Um, but they're getting a lot of these 100%. players, and I think that's got to put them at least in contention. Will they outright win the whole Champions League? I don't know. Um, but it's definitely going to be fun to see because they got a lot of talent on this team. They, they for sure do. We'll keep it kind of moving swiftly on um, to, to our last little topic before we get into Noah and some NBA stuff, which is still basketball. Uh, but Jalen Durant, who is now the number one overall player in 2022. Noah, I think you've – have you seen him play? Jalen Durant? Yeah, yeah, no. Have you seen him play? Oh, Sorry, you I, cut out. Oh, say Noah. That, yeah. Say, say that again. Yeah, Sorry, you did you cut, cut out a little bit. He was asking you my if bad, uh, you've bad. seen Jalen Durant play. Have you seen Jalen yeah, Durant play? I've seen Jalen play four, four times. I've seen that whole team final AAU team play about four times. And then the name to watch. So, without. So, Imani Bates played with them for one event we had. And because of a rule, um, he had to go back to his team, Bates Fundamental. With team final, you have their entire starting five is all high major kids. Justice Williams, Corey Floyd, Otega Owe, Jalen Duran, and Derek Lively. Jalen Duran physically is so above his years. Um he he could play in the in the NBA physically right now. Um skill wise he needs a little work, but we were talking about it before the show. And I'll say it on the record, in my opinion, Derek Lively is going to be the best from that team. Um, you know, their guards are good, but Der- Derek is a high IQ player. He's athletic. The only problem with him is he's, um, he's a passive player. He's not aggressive, but that comes from him being on teams where he hasn't needed to be that first option. You know, he goes to a school, the Westtown yeah. school, who we play. Um, we played them last year, and we'll play them again this year. Last year, they had a 1,000-point scoring guard who's at Florida State now. So he's never had to be that, that lead option. So this year will be an opportunity for him to show what he mm-hmm. can do. I mean, he's on ESPN, he's number 10. Um, on Rivals or 247, he's number 3 or something. But, again, I think he's going to be one of the best players to ever um, to come from that team final starting five. Yeah, that's interesting you say hey. that because um, I, I don't know a lot about Derek Lively. I've obviously, you know, I've seen a lot of highlights of Amani Bates, Jalen Duran. Uh, we did go watch Amari Bailey in person. Um, and I've seen some of these other guys, but Derek Lively, it's interesting you say that. I'm going to I'm gonna have to look into him now because don't know a ton about Derek Lively. But with what you said about Duran, I mean, just watching him, how physically imposing he is, his athleticism, I mean, you, you see it right away. You see the highlight dunks. You see the the you know, shots oh, he's yeah. blocking into the fourth row. It's it's pretty insane. Yeah, no, it, it, it seems like he's quite the player. It's from the couple highlights that I've seen recently. Is I have not seen him play. Um, but it'll be interesting. I, I don't even think we even said like, that the, the point of the talking point was is that he's committed to Memphis. Um, but we'll, we'll kind of keep, keep moving along here because, like I said, we got a lot to talk about. Um, so... As our special guest, Noah, you know, we, we want to hear more about you and what you've done this summer. 
Um, you've you've been fully promoted to uh, you know you're a full on full time assistant coach, which is super super big ups for you, Noah. You know, as as one of your good friends, I'm super proud of you. Um, and you know, how has how has been going to that now that full time? Well, has it changed at all for you? Say that one more time. Sorry, you cut out again. It's all good. Don't even worry about it. I wanted to say, you know, since you just hit this this full time role, you're officially into the role, um, you know, full time. How how has anything changed for you, or is it kind of you know the same going on? Um, so this summer because I was coming back, I did some recruiting. So I learned to recruit, um, you know, recruit kids, just kind of build those connections, um, and just kind of being, you know, just having more responsibility. Um, I know how things work. Uh, me and my head coach, um, you know, we think alike. Um, we're on the same wavelength a lot. So we're, you know, we kind of have one mind. So we have a really good working relationship. Um, I mean, great. the only thing that changed really is kind of, you know, just the off-season work. You know, there's there's a lot to get done. And, you know, there was a bit of a lull while I was doing some stuff with Hoop Group. But, you know, our summer tour is over and I'm back um, you know, we're getting stuff ready for our season. Um, you know, our first practice is in about, a, you know, a month and a half. Um, and I'm, you know, I think the thing that changed is I'm more, I'm smarter than I was a year ago. You know, most definitely. I think I'm smarter both mm-hmm. on and off the court. Um, you know, and it's just, I'm just excited to get back in the gym. You know, that's that's the big thing. Just getting back in the gym. You know, the season's coming. It's you know, you being in the business, you know, summer, you know, while it was fun, it was long. And I'm just excited to get back to, to getting in the gym with these kids. Right. Yeah. And have that like more normal schedule. So you mentioned Hoop Group and I know Trevor, I'm sure you're, mm-hmm. you have uh, plenty of questions about Hoop Group. So I'm, I'm going to hand this one off to you. Um, so, you know, you can ask your questions about the Hoop Group and it's Noah's experiences there. Yeah, so I guess just first, how, how long were you at Hoop Group? Was it like a like a whole summer thing? Like how, how long does, did it last exactly? So, so Covenant, we play our games and we practice at Hoop Group headquarters. That's our home facility. So, um, mm-hmm. the, they for the people that don't know, Hoop Group is the number one basketball company in the country. They put on tons of AU tournaments. Um, through the spring, summer, and then they have a couple events in the fall and winter. So the ops team, they have like an ops team up there for their tournaments. They saw me working for Covenant last year, and they asked me if I could um, help them with their tournaments this summer. So um, the first couple tournaments, um, uh, they were during an NCAA dead period. So I'd be doing ticket sales, player check-in, college coach check-in. Um, just making sure everybody's all good. The players are checking in on uh, the site they need to to get their stats tracked. And then come the NCA live period, I was um, I was second in charge of uh, NCA certification. So because it was a live period, all of the AAU teams have to register with the NCAA. Like we have our event registered with the mm-hmm. NCAA and all the teams have to register. So I was kind of in charge of... Um, of getting all the teams on um, on that website. And through that, I've made great connections with some of the AAU coaches. Um, you know, Ty Jerome's father wanted to buy me a beer, Mark. Um, <laughs> I had a lot of coaches <laughs> offer to buy me beer and, and get my first round of blackjacks in Atlantic City. 
Um, I talked with, you know, former college players, just great guys building great connections that ultimately are going to be able to help me when I need to recruit kids. So, I mean, um, does that answer your question, Trevor? I know that was, that was a lot, but does that answer where you were going? I was perfect. Yeah, definitely. So I guess just like going more into that, um, you know, with, with those, you know, with some of those coaches you met, I guess just like, what are some of the things that uh, stood out most? And like, what were some of your favorite moments? And maybe some of the coaches that you're, you wanted to meet most that you got to, and maybe have like a, a brief conversation with? Um, I can't remember if I told Brandon this, John Shire. So this is a two day ordeal. Okay. So our, in our second live period event up at Spooky Nook, uh, sports facility, I don't know the full name. Um, so I'm in the back entrance doing my, um, you know, certification. I have someone helping me and this was only a two day tournament. So the first day we, I was swamped, very busy. Um, I talked to Jim Laranega and didn't even realize it was him because I was so busy, but so (laughs) it dies down for a little bit. Me and my friend are, uh, you know, we're sitting at our table, getting all our papers and my computer, you know, getting organized and a, an assistant coach comes up to me and just asks me, you know, where do coaches get their bands and everything? And it was a Duke assistant. Look off to my left, and there's John Shire taking a picture with a little kid. So the little kid walks away, and I look at my friend, and I'm like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go ask him for a picture. So I'm walking over there, and right as I'm about to get to him, he picks up his phone for a phone call. But he sees me walking over, puts his phone on his shoulder. I'm just like, hey, coach, I'm Noah. I work for the Hoop Group. I'm a big fan. Shake my, uh, Shook his hand. I mean... You know, first things first, I said I wasn't going to fangirl this summer. I 100% fangirled for John Shire, 100%. I want to get that out in the open, 100% happened. And so later that day, John comes back, and he he looks at me, says what's up, fist bumps me. And then the next day, so this is the Sunday, um, Team Final was playing. And obviously, you know, Team Final, they have Jalen Duran, Derek Lively, all the guys I just mentioned. Um, during the live period, you have to have separate seating for college coaches. So no kids could be near the college coaches. So I actually had to go down. Um, the We had to do security because it was on the main court and everybody was watching it. So I'm, I had to stand. I was literally standing at center court, like right off, like across from the scores table. I was standing there the whole game and I look right next to me and maybe two feet away from me. It's coach John Shire again. And I didn't say anything to him because he was very in the in the zone. You know, you get in the mm-hmm. zone sometimes. So I don't say anything. He looks over. He sees me. He not he uh, slaps my arm and goes, "What's up, man?" Fist bumps me, and then we had a conversation. Just he was asking me about some rules about the games and stuff. And then he gets up to leave. He stands up, fist bumps me, knocks me on my chest, and goes, uh, "I'm sure I'll be seeing you around." So that that was probably my favorite moment of the of the summer was actually hanging out with John Shire, even though we weren't really hanging out. Um, you know, there was just some really good basketball all summer, um, you know, and the best part was definitely the people I worked with. You know, it's, you know, being in the basketball business, it's not a nine to five job. It's very irregular and especially working these tournaments. I mean, we'd be in at 7 a.m. and we wouldn't leave until 11 p.m. And, you know, some nights we wouldn't go to bed till 12, 1230. So, I mean, you know, the hours suck. Um, you know, the days can be long, but like I, we were saying at the end of the tournament, if we didn't have such a great group of people that like our core group was, you know, it would suck, but it, we had a great core group. We had a lot of fun. Um, saw a lot of great basketball, made a lot of great connections. Um, 
I mean, you go through, you know, power five coaches and I could probably, I've either seen them or I've talked to them. And when I say seen them, it means I've stood three feet away and stared at them for two minutes because I couldn't believe they were right there. So. Right. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And, you know, speaking of in the zone, you know, John Shire, a player who was really in the zone in the 2010 Final Four when he destroyed my West Virginia Mountaineers, a little sore subject for me. And then obviously that team goes on and beats Butler. But, you know, I love hearing about uh, stories like that. Obviously, you know, when you were on the pod, got to hear some of that, got to hear some from another guest, Avery, that we've had on the past. But, you know, I think that's one of the great things about – just just with coaching in general is that you know no day is really the same and and I'm sure that maybe that's something that is kind of a, a really great part about the job that you like I would guess is just that every day is different it's kind of a new experience and um, I'm, I'm sure you just really uh, kind of t- try to take that all in oh 100 percent I mean especially um, you know with the stuff at the hoop group you know it's it's an AU tournament I mean there were you know hundreds of teams there I mean you know, like you said, no one day is the same. And, you know, even if a practice is the same, you know, the day's not the same. Um, and, you know, just this year with Covenant, we have a great group of guys. And, you know, it's really the people that make it. And last year, you know, it, it was a little hard, obviously, with COVID and everything. But this year, we're going back to a normal schedule. I mean, we're, we're playing some great teams. I mean, kids from Team Final, we're playing their school this year. Like I said, Derek Lively, Otega Owe, we're playing them. Um, I mean, we're going up to the hoop hall, we play Hargrave or somebody, I mean, we're, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be really fun. I'm, you know, I'm really excited. I haven't been this giddy about something in a long time, but I'm, I'm excited for the season to get back going. I'm excited. I really am. And yeah, you know, like you said, just everything with seeing the college coaches, I mean, you know, I mean, I'm that same game. I'm standing at half court doing security, Penny Hardaway and Larry Brown walk literally right in front of me just right in front of me and it was Mm. like holy crap it's penny hardaway like it he was right there larry brown was wearing his championship ring like i mean this you know some of the coolest stories i'm gonna have in my life were happened in a three-week span and it was absolutely incredible and you know Mm -hmm. i say that now and it and next summer in two years you know it's not going to be the coolest thing anymore because i'm in you know who knows where i'll be yeah, definitely. I mean, you, you might be taking taking John's job. I mean, who knows? <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. I don't I mean, know. I'll need a um, few years before I can do that. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, in John, you know, now just I guess just like the a little little tangent here now, but like you know, John taking over for Coach K. That's going to be really interesting to see because. So many people, I, I hear it from like guys that are on ESPN, like former Duke players like J.J. Redick, like Jay Williams, that speak so highly about John Shire and how he's such like a smart basketball mind. So to kind of see him now get in the recruiting, obviously Coach K, I'm sure, you know, the recruiting was kind of, you know, probably taking a toll on him. So now for John Shire to come in, uh, be this young guy, um, obviously former Duke player, and, you know, to see how he's going to recruit, to see how he's going to kind of build up the Duke teams of the future, I think that's going to be really fun to see as in general I think we're seeing a a coaching shift with a lot of these um, great coaches you know Roy Williams is now out of North Carolina we got Hubert Davis in there Uh, you know Bayheim, I I assume is probably going to be on his way out pretty soon and and just like you know Calipari like there's so many guys some greats that we're almost you know starting to see this new generation come in and I think it's really interesting my opinion on that is you know Shire 
I agree with you about Shire and Hubert Davis, but two disagreements. Syracuse, Jim Beheim's never going to retire because everyone forgets about Syracuse <laughs> never. until every four years they make their run to the Elite Eight or Final Four, <laughs> and then Jim Beheim is safe. So Jim Beheim, completely different situation than what Roy Williams and Mike Krzyzewski were in. With John Calipari, okay. that I, in my opinion, with Kentucky, I think the COVID year killed them because you look at – we've had yes. this discussion before. You look at the NCAA. You look at the teams that did well – that won the title, that went far in the tournament that versus the teams that didn't do well. The teams that didn't do well were the teams that were younger, had a lot of new kids, and didn't handle the COVID well. The teams that did well, the Baylors, the Gonzagas, the UCLAs, it was the teams that had those veteran leaderships, players that had mm-hmm. veterans, that had a culture established where they could withstand the COVID. And ultimately, that's what happened. The, the best team this year was the team... Not to take away anything from Baylor because they, on the court, they were the best team, but also off the court, they handled the COVID situation the best. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I totally agree yeah. with that. It's you know, it's pretty obvious. Like looking at you know, Kentucky's maybe the biggest example, but there were there were other ones as well. Uh, but Brandon, did you have any other questions? Uh, you know, for Noah or Noah, for there's anything else you wanted to say before we kind of transition NBA free agency? I I actually I do have a question. Uh, for Noah, so you, uh, obviously you saw a lot of players, and you talked about some that you liked. Are there any other players that you liked a lot that you're like, damn, this guy's going to be great at the next level? Maybe a sleeper. If it, I yeah, don't know if that's yeah. what you're asking. Um, Kyle Filipowski, uh, he committed to Duke recently. He's he's really good. Um, I'm just trying to think now. I mean, there were so many kids where I just. I don't even know their last names just because we call them by their first names. The, uh, who is it? Expressions Elite AU. They have a couple really good kids. Um, Cam Whitmore. I think he's on Team Mellow AU. He's good. Um, DJ Wagner is the quickest kid I've ever seen with a basketball ever. He's the number one recruit in the class of 2023. He is phenomenal. He is incredible. Incredible young basketball player. Um. Oh God, there are so many. Um, yeah, I bet. I bet there are. I mean, there's just. I mean, you know, working for the tournaments, I kind of was able to stay away from the not so good teams and the not so good players. Where I was always able to, you know, if there were teams I wanted to watch, it wasn't you know bad teams. It was teams I've seen before, or teams that had you know players. I mean. Um, Steve Keller, who is in charge of the National Recruiting Report, um, he also works for the Hoop Group, but he writes and um, writes about kids. So I would try and find wherever he was and just watch some of those games because if he was watching, it means that there was a good kid. So. Yeah. For sure not. So kind of fine. Yeah, I guess this is more of a transition question. Um, cause we, we've been trying to get you on here for, you know, a couple weeks and you're such a busy man. Um, you know, we, we had the finals wrap up a couple weeks ago. So what was your, your thoughts on these playoffs, uh, in the finals that we just had in the NBA? Um, you know, I think first off, I think some people, um, are trying to take away from what the, the Phoenix Suns accomplished. Yes. Um, yes. Every round they... They went through, you know, there was an, an injury to the team. There's no denying that. But they they deserve to be the number two seed. Um, 
I still think they would have beat the Lakers if AD was healthy. Um, I mean, just the way the way Chris Paul played, I mean, he was due for one. He was due for a postseason run. Um, Devin Booker is is a bona fide superstar. Um, he's making his way towards becoming a top 10 player in the NBA. Um, that's my first thing, is you can't take away from what Phoenix did because what they accomplished was incredible. Um, DeAndre Ayton, while, you know, he might not be the best player from that 2018 class. He was the best player for the Phoenix Suns in that class. Um, I mean, you can't... Yeah, he, he was, was great. great for them. I mean, Devin Booker was great. Chris Paul was great. Um, the majority of their team is back. Um, I really like Phoenix again. Um, and as for the Bucks, I mean, people are... You know, it's the same thing. You know, that series with Brooklyn... You know, there are people saying that Brooklyn wins it if everybody's healthy. You don't know that. I mean, you saw two games where they were, three games where they were healthy, and it was two to one, and Milwaukee was getting their feet back under them at home. I mean, Chris Middleton, you know, I think Kendrick Perkins said it where Giannis is Robin and Middleton is Batman, and that's okay. Well, you can't even look at it like that because they are both, in a way, Batman A and Batman B. Um, Chris Middleton's just the closer. I mean, you know, ball is going to be in his hands um, at the end of a game. But now you have, you know, Giannis starting to get into that pick and roll more, become more of a screener and roller. That unlocks so much for them because in the open court, he's the best player in the game. Um, You get him going as a roller where he can still dominate. You know, he can crush little guards in the post. And then, you know, he can step out you know, get an ISO and then just drive in hard and kick it out when he's got a bigger guy that walls up on him. I mean, Giannis putting up a 50-piece in the finals. He had 340 games to go along with that, or 240 games in the 50-piece, whatever it was. Right now, as well as Kevin Durant played, I think Giannis is the best player in the league. Based off of what we saw in the finals, just how dominant he was, I mean, he is the most dominant player since Shaq. There's no doubt about that. But just the way he controlled the finals. I mean, he single-handedly, in Game 4, in Game 5, in Game 6, Giannis won those games. He won Game 4 with the block on the lob attempt. He won Game 5 with the three-point play alley-oop. And he won Game 6 with the 50-burger. And again, not to take away from Kevin Durant. There is no Kevin Durant slander going on here. Giannis Antetokounmpo is the best player in the NBA right now. Okay, all right. Hey, I mean, I I think it's very reasonable to say that. Like, I I've I've had a tough time myself. Like, you know, looking through like Giannis, man. Like, if I just look at the finals performances, the great ones, it's like you have. Uh, I mean, LeBron has a few of them, but like LeBron twenty sixteen. If we're just taking out like winning performances, you have Giannis this year. Maybe you have like. Uh, I mean, D-Wade 06 for me, maybe a little biased there, but I think he's up there just in terms of finals. And then there's there's also more before our lifetime. Shaq has obviously a few of them. And, and you know, the Shaq-Giannis comparisons, I think, you know, just in terms of dominance are, you know, pretty valid. And the way Giannis just really took a huge step. I, I you know, I, I got to say, I didn't know that Giannis could, could 
perform that well um, in three straight games. I didn't know he could do that, but he did. Um, and it was pretty amazing to watch. And uh, now I guess just for a transition, looking ahead now, kind of looking at how you know some of these top teams in free agency are getting themselves set up. So obviously, Phoenix, they bring pretty much everyone back. They re-sign Chris Paul, obviously the right move there based on this season and the way he transformed that team. Obviously, they now get JaVale McGee, who, you know, with Phoenix, that was kind of one of their weak points. You know, when Aiton's off the floor, you know, they struggle a little bit on defense. They don't necessarily have, like, that that man in the middle, that rim protector. I think McGee is a person who could at least, you know, in certain stretches come in and still be a little bit of a rim protector. So I like that Phoenix did that. Um, Milwaukee, I think, is still trying to figure out what moves they're going to make. They did let P.J. Tucker go. But they did uh, get back Bobby Portis, obviously, which is a huge thing for them because I know uh, how much the fans in Milwaukee love him. Um, so that's going to be big. Obviously, both those teams will still be in the mix. But three of the teams that I wanted to point out that all uh, made huge moves, very active, and we'll just go by through them one by one. I guess first we could start out with the Lakers. Um, and I want to get some of your thoughts on this. Obviously, the Lakers, they make the Russell Westbrook trade. They now have him, which I talked about last week how I think it's a pretty horrible fit, but I still do like that um, it can at least provide some rest for LeBron AD in the regular season, but I said they need shooters. They need to surround LeBron and Westbrook with shooters. Um, they did get a few. Um, they go out, they got Kendrick Nunn. Um, that, you know, they were able to go out and get a, a couple other players. Obviously, they bring back uh, Dwight Howard for his third stint with the Lakers. They got Wayne Ellington. Um, they got they got a few other guys. So I'll start with the Lakers, Noah. What do you think about some of the moves they, they have made and kind of their standing uh, this season? First things first, um, before I answer that, Trevor, I have to ask, I have to answer your question with a question, well, with multiple questions. So you said you didn't know Giannis can do this. Now, I mean this with the utmost respect. You know, have you just not watched the Bucks the last couple of years when Giannis has been MVP mode? Just, <laughs> I mean, to be, yeah, he hasn't been doing this in the playoffs. I'll give you that. But when he is on, he's on. So, all right. So we'll, we'll move past that. So the Lakers. So first things first, like you said, they needed shooters. Kendrick Nunn, Malik Monk. Um, they're going to have to play defense to get on the floor. But at the same time, it's the same situation. It's the same, not situation, but the same, essentially the same conversation we were having about the Brooklyn Nets when they acquired James Harden. There's only one ball, yada, 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 with the Lakers, you know, who's going to shoot or whatever. At the end of the day, these guys are really good basketball players, and they're going to figure it out. You know, while the fit may not be right, um, they're going to figure it out. I mean, these guys are really, really good basketball players, and they're, they're going to figure it out. Um, I'm, I'm very indifferent about some of the signings the Lakers made. Um, obviously, Dwight Howard, I like that just because of how well he seems to play in L.A. the last couple years with the limited minutes. Um, losing Caruso hurt them. Um, I mean, losing, losing Contavious Caldwell Pope is going to hurt them. I mean, you know, Wayne Ellington isn't someone you can give big NBA minutes to. Kendrick Nunn, if he's able to yeah. shoot consistently, he'll be able to stay on the court. They're going to need Malik Monk sh shooting. So, I mean, they have three all-world defenders in Westbrook, LeBron, and Davis. You get one more, you know, solid defender, then Malik Monk will probably see good minutes because you can hide him on defense. Um, 
But, I mean, at the end of the day, these guys are good basketball players. They're going to figure it out. Um, Westbrook is at his best when he has, you know, four spacers around him. And Anthony Davis is at his best when he's the only big in the lineup. So, I mean, they'll figure mm-hmm. it out. Um, there's probably going to be a lot of LeBron to Westbrook, Westbrook to Davis, lobs. Um, but that's what I got on that. I mean, they're good basketball players. They're going to figure it out. Um, Malik Monk and Kendrick Nunn needs to raise their defense in order to stay on the court for the Lakers. And the Lakers brought them in both for yeah. two years. So they expect their defense to elevate. Yeah, I, I agree with a lot of those points. I think Malik Monk, um, and I think this one might be a little, it might go under the radar a little bit, but Malik Monk is probably my favorite signing um, that they made just in terms of like how this, well, I mean, obviously Westbrook is going to elevate their team for many reasons, right? I, I don't want to discredit him in any way. And I'm a big fan of Westbrook, but Malik Monk, I think really with his shooting and yes, he has some, uh, you know, defensively definitely needs to work harder on that end. That's been a little bit he's had some issues there um in the past but offensively I think you know he can he's just an awesome shooter I mean the way that he's kind of improved I think his three-point percentage was I think he was like a 43 percent free throw uh three-point shooter this past year so Malik Monk to me is a huge signing for the Lakers um and regardless of who you put around LeBron, they're going to be in contention, no, you know, no matter what, even at age 37. Um, now, whether they can beat Brooklyn, whether they can beat Milwaukee, um, you know, and you can throw whatever other teams in that you want, it, you know, it's another conversation. It's going to be interesting to find out. But, Brandon, what, what do you think? Do you have any thoughts on uh, the Lakers signings? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm happy someone who knows uh, more about basketball than I do in Noah and you. Um well, I guess Noah more so than you feel at least better than I do. But I don't know. I'm, I'm very, very worried about this team. You know, LeBron's in his later years. I want him to win as much as possible. Uh, you know, so no, I have this question for you because, you know, this is this is really what it boils down to to me. Is this a team that is going to win a championship? And when you say yes, I'm not saying that means you're guaranteeing them or even you're going to pick them to win necessarily. But is this a team that you think um, will be in a championship or really, really competing for one? Um... Well, this actually, you know, this brings up the point that I was going to make when you were done, you know, when you were done. Um, You know, you look at the next three to five years. Within the next three years, the Brooklyn Nets will win a title. In my opinion, within the next five years, the Milwaukee Bucks will be back in the finals. And that's the Eastern Conference. You look at the Western Conference. There were a couple nice years here where there were no big threes. Right, it was all only twos. There was so much parity, anybody could have won it. Now what's going on is all these teams are trying to get back to the big three. And you know, I do think the Lakers can be competitive simply because when LeBron is turned on and when Anthony Davis is turned on, they're two. They are both top five caliber players. Westbrook's game. He is, he's an athletic guard. His whole career, that was his game. He's, he's athletic, he's a leader, he's an lead, athletic lead guard. Those are typically the players that don't seem to age well. But every year we say that about Westbrook, he proves everyone wrong. Yes, within the next three to five years, the Lakers should be in an NBA final. But you're counting on all the teams around the Lakers staying the same. The Denver Nuggets will have Jamal Murray back at some point. Luka Doncic is an MVP in Dallas. If they ever figure out, 
if Przingis ever figures out what's wrong with him, Dallas is going to be very dangerous. Portland still has Damian Lillard, and while the Blazers have been kind of a disappointment the last couple years, whenever you have a top 10 player who in closing time is the best player on the court, you have a chance. Um, The Clippers, um, Paul George showed he is still capable of carrying a team because the Clippers don't beat the Jazz without Paul George. They don't take two games from the Suns without Paul George. Um, Like I said, the Lakers should be in a finals in the next five years. Will they compete? Yes. Will they win it? It depends who they play against. Yeah. I, gotcha. Interesting point. Go ahead, Trevor. Go ahead. I think that's a fair answer. I think, and I also think with what you said about like kind of the three to five years thing, um, I, I think the Lakers' best chance is probably going to be next year versus the year after just because of you look at Westbrook and LeBron um, and, and kind of their aging. They, they are getting older. And, yes, maybe Davis could get better and he could become maybe the main guy. Um, but I just look at like – with LeBron and how many years he has left, I don't know how many it is. I don't know if it's three, four, five. I don't know. But I think next year is probably going to give them a better chance than the year after, um, just simply because of it. I still lean toward them as the best team in the West. Um, but can they beat Brooklyn? I'm, again, I'm, I'm more hesitant about that. But I guess uh, the next thing we move toward, uh, we got the, the Chicago Bulls. They make a few moves. They get Alonzo Ball. They got DeMar DeRozan now. Um, you know, some interesting moves I think will certainly make them better uh, this upcoming year. As far as a long-term plan to get back to a championship, it's kind of more of a question mark. Um, Noah, what did you think about some of the moves Chicago Bulls made? Um, you know, they're kind of riding with the mantra that they're in it to win it now based off of the Vucevic trade. Um, DeRozan... Um, he's a non-shooter. He's going to need the ball in his hand. Or I was listening, you know, something they could do is have DeRozan kind of be a screener, you know, kind of in that Bruce Brown mold because Vucevic can step out. DeRozan really can't. But the way it's going to be successful is, first off, they got to follow what Stan Van Gundy was doing and have Lonzo be a point guard in transition and then a wing in in the half court. Have him be a wing in the half court kind of have DeRozan and Levine kind of run the offense in the half court. I like it because they're bringing the star power back. It's going to be a very interesting fit. Um, I like Patrick Williams. However, the Bulls have three three players in DeRozan, Levine, and Lonzo Ball that you look at their usage. Their usage they all have like a 30-plus percent usage. Um, again, you know, get Lonzo being a point guard in transition and then a wing in the half court. He has the size to do that. Um, you can get DeRozan being a screener. Um, I mean, it's going to be very interesting. I think Billy, Don- Billy Donovan is a great coach and can figure it out. Um, but like I, like I just said, it's going to be very interesting to see what they do. Yeah, I, I think in the short term, it does bring some excitement back for the Chicago Bulls fans. I do think they'll be in the playoffs. Um, how high of a seed they'll, they will be, I don't know. I kind of see them in that, I don't know, like maybe 6-7 range. Maybe they even get to the 5, potentially, uh, if you know Lonzo really does take a big step up because obviously he's been working on his shooting uh, his shooting form. That looks a lot better just from the looks of it. Um, how much his percentage will, will increase, we'll have to see. 
Um, but I think it's definitely interesting to see. Um, another team we have, uh, the Miami Heat, my team, uh, they get Kyle Lowry. Um, they now are able to get P.J. Tucker. And, you know, Duncan Robinson, uh, your guy, Brandon, uh, gets a big contract, you know, for, for the shooters. And it's interesting the way the league's moving. We're now starting to see uh, some of these really great shooters are getting big contracts. And um, I'm glad that the Heat were able to bring him back because if he didn't get the money from Miami, someone else was going to pay it to him. So I do like what the Heat are doing. Um, I, again, competing with the Bucks and Nets is going to be tough. I don't think we're quite at that level, but I do enjoy it. And I just really love all these players, to be honest with you. Like, I've always been a huge Kyle Lowry fan. I'm a huge P.J. Tucker fan, obviously, and they really fit the Heat culture. But, but Brandon, what, what do you think about some of the Heat signings? Do you think there's any shot of them uh, taking, taking down the Nets or the Bucks? Uh, You know, I, I think they're going to be really, really competitive, but no. No, I don't, I don't think they're going to be able to quite do it. Um, I, I think they have a really, really good team. Uh, I, I'm not even unhappy about their signings. I think they mostly, for the most part, had really, really good signings. It's just not going to be enough to beat those teams. Not going to be enough to beat the Warriors or the, the, the Suns or the Lakers either, in my opinion. But, but, I mean, let's go to our basketball expert. Noah, do, do you disagree with me? No. There, there's different tiers in the East. The top tiers, you got the Bucks, you got the Nets, and you can put the Sixers in there. Below those, those are going to be the top three seeds for the next three to five years in some order in the next tier you got the heat who could steal a top three seed um they could scare somebody they can make a run to the finals but like brandon said you know are they going to be able to beat the suns the clippers the the lakers the jazz the the mavericks the nuggets um are they going to be able to beat the premier teams um in that same layer with the heat i feel comfortable putting the hawks in that layer um I think there's an argument to be made about the Knicks. I think, oh God, I think that's about it in the second tier of the, you know, in the three to, to six range. Um, actually, I'd, I'll put Charlotte in that tier. I really like what Charlotte is doing. Um, LaMelo mm-hmm. Ball is a certified bucket. Um, he's, he's, he's a rising star. Um, he's going to be a superstar at some point. Terry Rozier has been very, very good for them. And honestly, the Hornets got what they needed off season. They got they needed someone who could come in, um, and and score for them. They got that in James Booknight, and they got that wing depth that they were lacking with Booknight and with Kelly Oubre when Gordon Hayward inevitably you know sprains an ankle or something like that, misses five to you know three to four weeks. Um, they got that wing depth they needed. They have some really nice young pieces. Um, they just extended James Borrego, who's done a great job as head coach down there. Um. But after that range, after Miami, Atlanta, New York, Charlotte, that's when, in my opinion, you'd put the Bulls, you'd put the Wizards, you'd put the Pacers, teams that are going to be in contention for a playoff spot, but, you know, just, just you know, they won't be able to play with the big guys. You know, they won't be able to play with the Giannis's mm-hmm. and the Durants, the Hardens. You know, they won't – defensively, they aren't good enough to, to play with those teams. Um, and then you go back to the Heat – where the Heat are a team that defensively they could play with those guys, but it's just, you know, it's got to be a situation like the bubble where everything's just going right for the Heat, where they're kind of getting those breaks, and that's what it's all about. The Bucks got the breaks this year. Um, I think Kyle Lowry adds another option. Um, but, I mean, any Jimmy Butler's turned into a player where anytime he's on your team, that team is going to be competitive, 
and that team is going to be in a position to win a series. Yeah, I, I, had, I had just one more thought, and then maybe we can end it if unless either of you had any more. But we have this situation with Ben Simmons now, where there's a lot of trade rumors. It, it's unclear what's going to happen. I know they seem to be just going around every team, like asking them for the best player, trying to you know figure out something uh, to get Ben Simmons. But they're asking for a lot for Ben Simmons. Where where do you kind of see this situation going? Do you, do you just see him staying with the Sixers until around the trade deadline, or? or what are, what are your thoughts on that? If Ben Simmons is going to get traded, it's not going to happen. It's going to be what Harden. It's going to be either it's going to be an off season trade or it's going to be a situation like James Harden, where it was a few games into the year. They're not going to wait till the trade deadline. Philadelphia is not in a position where they should be waiting till the trade deadline. You know they're they're in a position mm-hmm. like Milwaukee, where you know the regular season shouldn't be their biggest concern. They they're a team that they gotta be they gotta be worried about the postseason. Spending the regular season working on things in the postseason. Spending the regular season working on things that's gonna help them in the postseason. If they're gonna make like a trade Milwaukee. for Exactly, like Milwaukee. The Simmons trade needs to happen before the start of the season. Um, you know, being in the world of basketball, I've heard some things. Um, I've heard from about Simmons that he's very, um, he's very sheltered. His family is his circle and they've kind of, they don't want any outside help. Um, and then right before I actually got on the call, um, Philadelphia's goal is going to be to try from the athletic Philadelphia's goals is to try and get Dame Lillard. It's not to trade Ben Simmons. It's to how do we get Dame Lillard? Mm-hmm. And I just think at this point, Ben Ben Simmons, everybody talks about it, and it's true. Ben Simmons passing up an open dunk in the fourth quarter of Game 7 says all you need to know about his confidence in himself and about the situation in Philly. He, he needs a new situation. The Sixers need someone else. With that being said, Houston was put in a situation where they said they were going to wait for the best offer but they definitely did not get the best offer. I mean, Jared Allen was the centerpiece of that deal, and he ended up on the Cavs. Like, what? Philadelphia, Ben Simmons is younger. He has a... Um, I don't think his contract expires anytime soon. They're in a position where they need to wait to, for the best offer possible. At the same time, who knows what... Simmons' relationships like is with the Sixers. Mm-hmm. Who knows how that relationship will become? I mean, I'm seeing things where Ben Simmons isn't talking to anyone on the Sixers. Like he's had no contact with them, none of that. How do you keep around a player? How do you start a season with a player like that? You know, um, I think he'll show up to train. I don't think it's in a situation like the NFL where you got to worry about him not showing up for camp. But I mean, it would benefit both sides to get him traded as soon as possible. Yeah, I, I yeah, agree. no, for sure. Um, Trevor, no, anything else you guys like to mention before we kind of wrap up the pod for today? It's about it for me. Nah, just if you guys oh, got good. any questions for me, anything else, just let me know. Of course, of course. Well, no, thank you so, so, so much for coming on the pod, being uh, a second time guest. We really, really third appreciate time. you taking the time. Third I know time. you're busy. Third time. Or third, third time. time. Yes, third you're time. right. It has been third the third time. time. Third time. <laughs> 
you are 100% right. But thank you so much, uh, whether it's the second, third, 50th, doesn't matter. We really appreciate it from the small ballers, uh, you know, just you coming on and telling us, you know, all your experiences. We just so appreciate it. Um, to everyone listening, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. We really appreciate your support as well. Of course, subscribe to the podcast and leave that five-star review if you enjoyed this episode. Go follow us on Twitter at the Small Baller um, or link in the description so you know whenever we post. Uh, we will be back with the 5 Seconds of Fame podcast next Friday at noon, so stay tuned for that. Um, but, no, anything you want to plug or talk about quickly before we end? No, I got nothing. You picked my brain with basketball. I'm going to go play some 2K. It's basketball 24-7 with me. Yay, there there we go. But like I said, that being said, thank you all so much for listening, and we'll see you guys next time. Go Falcons.